Christian Parenting. Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center, no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a faith-based counseling center in Austin, Texas, offering online teletherapy for those that live in Texas but outside the Austin area. If you have questions and would like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, powered by the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Doctors Jimmy Myers and Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I'm Josh. And I'm Jimmy. We're talking about dysfunctional families How today. How to know if your family is dysfunctional. We're also going to discuss how each family puts a little bit of fun in dysfunctional. Did you grow up in a dysfunctional family, Josh? Mm-mm. Ship shape. <laughs> Perfection. Because <laughs> I've heard rumors that oh, yeah? your family was horrible. Horrible. Which would explain a lot of your behavior. No, it was perfect, just like every other pastor's family's. Amen. You know? Amen, my child. Just smile on my face. People say this all the time. I came from a dysfunctional family. What does that mean? You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. So do we even know what dysfunctional is? The the fine line. I mean, there's, you know. Jimbo, it's the opposite of functional. Well, yeah, it's I mean, functional families aren't perfect, but does that mean they're dysfunctional? The crazy thing about family is you have sinful parents mm-hmm. with incorrect rationale and their own filters parenting sinful human being kids. Now you are saying except the home you grew up. Correct. In. Correct. Okay. Correct. All, All right. this saves our home. Go. Yeah. Go ahead. Sinful kids with perverted perspectives and filters that don't work properly. And that's what the crazy. could go wrong. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like, even if you were, which you're not, but even if you were a perfect parent, your kids are not going to interpret things correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't. And things ensue. We've talked about the unintentional neglect that I mm-hmm. felt mm-hmm. as a child from mm-hmm. you because he would never play basketball with mm-hmm. me. You could have been in the NBA. He, <laughs> he only wanted me to mow the lawn, our 10 by 10 lawn. I waited until you were four. <laughs> and, and I got you those platform little tinny shoes so you could reach the handles. But anyway, it's it's fraught with it's. Well, yes. Dysfunction is a narrative that will occur. But what? how fine is the line between a functional family, which is OK. And we always say, you know, as a parent, you got to shoot for being an OK, good enough parent. So what's that line between a functional good enough and a family that's dysfunctional and toxic. So that's what we wanted to look at today. And the, and the problem and why it probably is a good idea to know this is because if your family does sort of fall under this umbrella of dysfunctional. Which we all do. Well, not everybody. Not Well, I see dysfunction as a continuum. Not, yes. It's not a yes or no. Yes. It's just how much do you have. Of these things. Yeah. But if you're just like dysfunctional, as in you're not functioning, then that has a long-term impact on kids. Because what a kid is exposed to 
consistently, frequently, over a long duration, changes their brain. And as you were saying about the unintentional neglect, dysfunctional families rack up tons of little T traumas. We know we know about the big T traumas, you know, abuse and those type of things, but there are the little T traumas, and a dysfunctional family tends to have just a, a boatload of those things. And I would say to, I might be jumping ahead, so please slap me if I am. Okay. But love to. To try to figure out where you fall in the continuum, you need to ask yourself how functioning is your family? Or potentially the better way to ask is the opposite. How low functioning is your family? Anybody wants to talk, or anybody that always asks, like, how do I know I'm depressed? Well, it's ultimately you're clinically depressed if you're you have a lowered level of functioning. If you're still able to go to work and you're still able to keep friends and go out socially and you're not just spending all your time in bed, you're probably not clinically depressed. You're just sad. Right. Same with the dysfunction of our family. Like how much are you guys are are you never able to get along? Are you arguing in public where normally it would be a social faux pas to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But is it spilling over into other areas? How lowered is your family's level of functioning and that kind of help you figure out where you fall in that continuum and 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 to define functional is not my kids make straight a's my my you know i'm the vice president of a bank i'm the president of the pto my my child graduated summa cum barely Please. Hey, please stop it stop it no functional is like you're able to get along sometimes Yes, emphasis on the sometimes. But yeah. people want to point to their family at the successes of their family. And sometimes those kids that are making all A's and are all district on the volleyball team are also throwing up in empty mayonnaise jars and storing them in their closet. So just because there's this these outward shows of success graphic. doesn't mean that that's a successful family. So... Another reason that that you know if we are on the dysfunctional end it, it, it why it's a problem is that every individual tends to absorb both healthy and unhealthy behaviors and relationship patterns from their family of origin so these these areas of dysfunction tend to be handed down from your to your children and your children, children and, and your, your children, children and your children. We need to have a YouTube. Yeah. On and on and on. And so children. But you watched it and you wept too. Yes. Every time they did it. Yeah. And then Ireland would come out and go, oh, all of our churches in and Ireland. Children, and then they'd just sob. Oh, my gosh. So uh, a lady by the name of Julie Hall. But to passing down this generational dysfunction, yes. I think is a very important point. Thank you. And what's crazy is I felt like neglect, albeit unintentional, happened mm-hmm. from you to me. Mm-hmm. And I sit here, and as someone who was impacted by that, with my own children, fight going, I don't want to play with you. Mm-hmm. I just want you to exist kind of side by side with me and like go play outside all day because I'm tired and I don't want, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm just perpetuating you. And if you're not careful, you can see those patterns that you even didn't like in childhood, Mm -hmm. you perpetuating them on your own children. Oh, yeah. And and I've never said this publicly, but I think this might be a really good time to sort of divulge, sort of be transparent. He's about to make a joke. I think you neglected me (laughs) when you were a child. And I didn't play with you enough. No, you didn't. Hmm. How many times did I say, "Hey, Joshy, you know, put down the blocks and let's play Texas Hold'em," <laughs> and 
and you you wouldn't do it. Come over here. Let's watch the rated R movie. <laughs> I did not. Oh, please. Well, I did when you hit like 13 because I wanted you to see I Saving Private Ryan. I don't. That was not my first rated R. What was? The Bodyguard. You saw The Bodyguard? Mm-hmm. Huh. Let's you talk about that. that. Let's confess that. What is it? No. <laughs> Which is from The Bodyguard. No, I know. From exactly. The Bodyguard. Yeah, you remember it because. Uh, I also watched Jerry Maguire, although you did okay. fast forward through the original scene. That was really good, though. So. And I was probably seven. You <laughs> So here we go. Where Julie Hall did there was an article in Psychology Today where she listed, I don't know, a bunch of signs that your family may be dysfunctional. So as we as we talk about, I think we wrote about about seven of these and threw in some of our own. But when we mention these, it's just okay, then then for my family to be good and healthy, we need to do the opposite of what we're about to mention here. And the first one is acceptance and love are conditional. Okay. That is probably the number one most agreed upon. If you have to perform, if you have to tap dance in order to be loved and accepted, something is wrong. And I know that sounds crazy. How could I ever have conditional love for my children? But I'm saying it happens all the time. All the time. With school, a lot of other areas, but with school, mm-hmm. if all the conversations, and I know we've said this before, but if all the conversations you ever have are about school one and two, they're always negative. Mm-hmm. You're non-verbally communicating that. Yes. You need to be able to enjoy them and laugh with them and love them and spend time with them, even if they're failed out of high school, because then your love is conditional. Yes. And we convey that in, and I know we're trying to encourage and push them to greater heights. But what we're communicating is, unless you succeed in popularity, in grades, in sports, in whatever, if you just behave in a way that I don't like, then my love for you is withdrawn. And so even though very few parents would go, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, My love's absolutely. We will convey that. In ways that we don't understand. I conditionally love my child. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. Awesome. So number two, if in your family... And again, we're listing signs of dysfunction. Of dysfunction. That you are to do opposite of. Do the opposite. Is in the family, someone has to be blamed. There has to be blame placed at somebody for something that has gone wrong. Scapegoating, which is, of course, the Old Testament thing of... You know, you put all the sins of the camp on the goat and send them out into the desert or whatever. But if you have a family where blame is important, if if people are angry, if something happened that wasn't good, we've got to come back and find somebody to point a finger at. What would Peter done with that scapegoat in the Old Testament? It wouldn't. I mean, poor oh, poor goat. It wouldn't right? have been good. Yeah, the goat just left out into the desert with all the people's sin. Mm. That is so unfair to the goat. Very much so. But when we do the trauma egg, have you ever, you've done trauma eggs mm-hmm. with people, right? Uh, no, to answer your question. But okay. I am familiar with the trauma egg. I've done one with myself when you taught it at the Timothy Center. Oh, I bet I didn't fare good. How many times did you draw little things inside the egg that I was responsible for? Little Jimmy's? Mm-hmm. 
Just little bitty figurines mm-hmm. in there. Of me. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you do on a trauma egg is you list the family rules growing up, those, those unwritten rules, and then the family roles. And I'm telling you, more times than I can count, than I can remember anyway, people would say one of the roles that someone played in their family growing up was the scapegoat. It was either them, it was an older brother, there was nothing this the sibling could do. Uh, the parent was always angry at them, uh, or it was they played the role of the scapegoat. So if you have a family in where, where blaming somebody is very, very important, you might have a, a dysfunctional family. Number three. And the point there is don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. Stop it. I, <laughs> didn't get back to that. Take, well, to say more though, take personal responsibility. Yes. You as parent, learn to apologize to your children and not always blame them. Another thing in counseling is we train... As well as not blaming your spouse. Yes. We train people how to treat us, right? And one of the things is vulnerability, being able to share. And, and it can be many times that family members are taught you can't be vulnerable. Because you've got to be carefully taught. If you talk, you're going to get shot. That's what sometimes our families, come on. That was a perfect recreation of a line from my shot from Hamilton. Aaron Burr. So speaking of Hamilton, Sam, our three-year-old, has seen it. Mm-hmm. PETA probably needs to come after us as parents as well, mm-hmm. allowing our three-year-old to animal. watch a virtual, three-year-old animal. That's virtual rated R mm-hmm. play. He always wants to be Alexander Hamilton and I'm Aaron Burr in the shooting scene. <laughs> so he'll go, dad, 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 dad. And this is his three-year-old voice. He'll say, raise a glass to freedom. <laughs> so he'll, he'll, he only gets freedom out, but that's right. what he's, so he's, yes. he's, he's in, in, his mind, in his mind connected that song with the duel. Yes. So he's like, dad, raise a glass to freedom. And then you shoot and I'll shoot in the air. So I'll go, raise a glass to freedom, <laughs> and then I'll shoot, and he'll go, <laughs> and he'll crouch over, what would be the word for it? He'll he'll slump, bend, slump over like Alexander Hamilton does in the play. And so we in, recreate the duel. Got a little thespian there on your hands. A little what? Thespian. Thespian. So, number three. A family that you can't be vulnerable because without vulnerability, there's no intimacy. And so if you're taught by other members of the family, don't share this, don't open up about this, or someone will squash you if you do. Uh, That's one of the signs. Number four, if your family has divided up into teams, dad and oldest daughter are against mom and the younger daughter and son, and they're clearly defined teams within the family. This happens a lot with blended families. If your kids know who they'd go with in a divorce, there's your teams. But I can't tell you how many kids. Well, it sounds like it's almost like team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just very clear within the family. So to avoid that, it's everyone's everybody. Everybody. Everybody loves on everybody. Well, that starts with the marriage. Yes. I mean, it's trickle down. Trickle, trickle. trickle down. What? Trickle deal? Trickle down. It's trickle down. It starts with the marriage. If you're competing and you don't have vulnerability within the marriage, if you're trying to ask your kids to keep secrets from your spouse, all that's team creating. Number five, a parent's 
not authenticity is what's all important. If just appearance, how we look to other people, how our house looks, how the kids look, you know, we may have beaten them with a board on the way to church, but their shirt's clean when we get there. That's the sort of thing that putting too much of an, of a, an importance on appearance instead of what is, what is real and authentic. Uh, I, I had the one kid that, you know, he just, his, both parents were alcoholics. I mean, it, the family was bad. But the mom said, as she was one of her many bouts, and we're going to talk about rage here in a minute, but the boy said all she cares about is that we have the best Christmas card in Terrytown. Nice. That's that's all the mom cared about. With all this other stuff just falling apart. Which ladies, that's important. That was that was very right. very important to this one lady. And then number six is rage. Is if you have a home and where rage is normalized, like it's normal, it's normal to be purple in the face, raising your voice, you know, using profanity. And if someone says anything about it, well, it's your fault or it's their fault for doing what they did. Uh, normalizing rage, that doesn't work well in a family that works well. And then lastly is just denial and defensiveness. When conflict arises, if it's just, it wasn't my fault, defensiveness pops up, it was everyone's fault but my fault. All of these things are examples. And if you, if you notice, well, gosh, that's sort of true in my marriage or gosh, I was raised that way, or gosh, maybe we do that sometimes with our kids. If you see any of these dysfunction-type warning signs, do something about it. Go talk to somebody. Well, and that's the difficult piece here, right? Like, the more dysfunctional a person is, the less they're going to be able to recognize it. And so... If you're listening and you see this in your spouse and you're like, my spouse is dysfunctional, then I guess tell them that Jimmy said that they're dysfunctional. They're dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And that'll probably and here's be his address. best way. To, I'll leave a loaded gun in the mailbox. <laughs> the best way to handle it there. But seriously, right? Like talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, the reason we do a show like this is, hey, you know, because if we just wake up every day and just try to survive as spouses and as parents and as families... And all, all our gauge for success is, is we made it in to, to collapse into bed. Then if, if we're not very intentional, and we talk a ton about that on here, about being intentional in what we do as parents and spouses, then if we're not intentional, then things can just build up and grow over time. And we're trying to throw out some red flags that things are not going well and they need to be addressed. And it's not like it's going to get undysfunctional over time. It's not just going to spontaneously And so really, you know, throwing a wrench in the system. Family systems have to be perturbed to get better. Mm -hmm. And so if you just allow the same thing over time, it's going to get more dysfunctional. And so throwing in a wrench, you know, going to talk to a pastor or a counselor or a mentor couple of some sort and trying to to work on your problems is is huge. And there's hope, right? Like... I know it might feel like there's not hope in a dysfunctional situation, but oh my lord, there is. God's still on His throne. People can change. But and- even you saying the family system has to be perturbed, it has to be disturbed before something can get better, because in most dysfunctional families, you know, it is put a lid on everything. Don't talk. We talk about vulnerability. Don't don't say anything. Don't say you know what happens in that family stays in the family. To disrupt that dysfunctional system and talk about what can't be talked about, 
shine light uh, where it's been really, really dark uh, is very, very important because without that, it's not going to get better. It's going to have to, in some way, you know, flip a light on and it hurts your eyes for a minute. But in order to see, you've got to go through that pain. If you want more information about this episode, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us at christianparenting.org slash paradox. Jimbo, anything else? Not a thing. Uh, You're about to go to Colorado. We're recording a lot of these early so he can go to Colorado. Yes. And one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to kill many, many pheasants. Mm. While I'm gone, you need to be getting lots of glass because I'm going to get a lot of pheasants to put under the glass because apparently that's a delicacy. What if you only f- tried to find like little bitty dysfunctional ferret families and off them? Mm. I don't know wh- to where to go to get a, a ferret. I don't know where those would be. So I'm going to go where I know what that are there are again? pheasants. Oh, pheasants. Pheasants. Little dysfunctional pheasant family. Oh, now that I could do. Just trying to tie in the show. I like that. A tie-in. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Enjoy. Thanks. I'll be seeing you, obviously, just five seconds from now when we get off, but... I will. I'll have, have, a, a, good one. have a big time <laughs> blowing little birds out of the sky. Yep. Dysfunctional ones. Bye. For more information about the voice of the Paradox Podcast, Julie Lyles Carr, go to JulieLylesCarr.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show and find the archive of all our past shows, go to ParadoxPodcast.com. Mm-hmm.